from the UK, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mike Drop Club, hosted by Douglas Hamandiche. Message received. Message received. You do not need to know what you need. What you need. Just engage with the podcast feed. Just engage with the podcast feed. Providing weekly insights into cool stuff we've read, saw, did, or heard about what made us say, wow, eureka, damn, nothing is off limits. If it motivates and inspires you to reach your goals, then it shall be discussed. Featuring guest interviews from high performers and people of influence and weekly awards for the best mic drop moment. This podcast is guaranteed to leave you pumped up for the week ahead. Don't just live life, make life boom. Hi everybody, it's Doug Sam DJ from the Mike Dog Club. Today I'm blessed to have Ushi Bauman in the house to come down and talk to us all things related to leadership and motivation. She's got a very unique approach to delivering support for digital, digital leaders and corporate leaders in terms of helping them show up with their most authentic self. So with no further ado, I want to introduce Ushi Bauman to the Mike Dog Club. Ushi, how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me, Doug. I'm very happy to be here and I'm fabulous. I'm really oh, you look, you look fabulous, and certainly on LinkedIn, your your profile does stand out, and you've got a very unique way of of inspiring and helping leaders add value in the in the corporate world. So, what is you what is your approach, and how did you actually get into leadership in the first place? Leadership coaching, right? So, um, I would say you know my own leadership journey has certainly played a big role. And um, I have always been one for providing value, providing a service, um, making a difference in the world. And I think that's uh, that's been um, with me my whole career. And I've started, I was in, in various different leadership positions and had the opportunity to learn uh, on in very, very different roles. I was in the consulting industry. I was in the pharma industry. I was in IT for a bit. I uh, spent time in uh, um, Lean Sigma in process, process re-engineering and uh, transformations, change managements, acquisition integrations, a real breadth mm-hmm. of um, different areas. Uh, where I could learn, where I could uh, work with different uh, different other leaders in different mm. positions, different hierarch- hierarchical levels as well, also different countries, nationalities. It's always been sort of an international backdrop that I worked in. Sure. And, sure. Um, you know, a little side note might be useful to know. I also love languages. I speak a few. Uh, I'm German originally, but I've been in the UK for, for many, many years. And I've lived in various different countries in 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 Europe, and uh, travel. I always love traveling and interested in culture. So that is another element, actually, that I think adds to learning about leadership, um, understanding what makes a difference, etc. Now, no, that's excellent, mm. excellent, excellent stuff. So we're going to we're going to touch language as well, definitely, because I think it's a very pivotal part of communication and as as you have an international flavor to your your repertoire it's only important that you break down the differences in languages and and how that affects the way we communicate particularly as as a leader so that is definitely going to be discussed today one common theme i'm seeing emerging from your your skill set and your experience is you've always gravitated around leadership okay and um how did you, or what shall I say is, what inspires you to lead? Was it was it coming from a, a place where people saw leadership qualities in you, or was it a sense that of you got you feel like a sense of purpose that you can lead and you have a message, as you talked about earlier about demonstrating value? So where does this, where's the nucleus of this leadership emanating from? Right. So I'm going to start with a very profound belief I have, and that is we all hold a certain amount of leadership within us. I think everybody has an internal leader 
And it doesn't have to be a team lead or organizational lead, but it's about leading yourself. And um, I am a big believer in that potential within you. And when you when you're aligned with who you are and what your purpose and your passions are, I think that is when leadership can come through. And for me, it was always that uh, making a difference, that aspiring to to making a shift to um, helping teams, helping organizations, helping individuals to to be on a journey of improvement. And I think to help people on that journey of improvement, leadership is a big role because you kind of help uh, you help um, being, uh, you know, help taken by the hand, being a little bit of a guide and and, mm. and empower. Right. I think uh, and, sure. and that's always been a passion in me. And even in families, even with my my children, I think uh, even their leadership plays a role. Right. Sure. Sure. So you talk about children. Mm. Um, what was it? What was your childhood like in terms of leadership? Um, were you somebody that um, took on leadership positions at school, or was helping the people or younger people that can't do something? What What were you like? What's What's I'm trying to get into the crux of the personality traits, yeah. and where does leadership actually start to to form and stand out? Mm. It might be worthwhile looking a little bit beyond me as a person, but looking at my family construct, right? Um, I'm the youngest of five. I have four older siblings, and I have come from a very small village. And uh, in that village, uh, it was 60-odd people. That's about it. Right now, interesting enough, what I want to what I want to highlight is my dad, my father. He was always very um, unique in his skill set and his, in in his his desires to be. He never he never succumbed to being working for somebody else. He never managed to do that. So he started his own business. So he came in in with his own style into life as a as as his own leader. So he created a small family business and he always applied curiosity, innovation, um experimentation to everything he did. Right? He created his own machines, he created buildings, he we were growing mushrooms as a family. It's ridiculous, tiny little family business, right? But the way that he built it was very much driven by leadership, his own thinking put into practice. And, you know, he's been teaching us as children as well. And being the last one of five, I think there is there is uh, a bit of that desire. You know what? I'm not the youngest, the last one of five. I'm my own person. So I was I always had that drive to to um to stand out as the youngest of five right excellent and always wow. and always um you know I, i'm a bit of a i'm a bit of a pleaser as well doing well and you know making sure that people are happy with what how i perform or all of those things so um i've, I've loved school i loved achieving as well um but i always uh I kind of learned from my dad to follow what my heart's desire was he never wanted me to go to uni he never wanted me to to go out into the world he always wanted me to take the family business but I had a different opinion and I followed through right so you can see wow. how the upbringing yeah. plays a role but also your own personality trait that comes together, absolutely right? yes yes I, I like that that marriage there and certainly uh, I've seen from my own uh, working and mo- trying to motivate um, people that the, the upbringing is so, so vital and the hierarchical structures that we inherit as children play a big role. And so I, I was fascinated and I was enthralled to hear that you, you your mindset was not based upon your position within the family, but based upon the individuality of each person, you know, which, which, is, which is great. Um, in my culture, it's, it's definitely hierarchical. And um, uh, lucky for me, I'm not the middle child. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, no, that, that's excellent. Excellent. So 
um, we spoke earlier um, before this call about the three dimensions that you you tend to operate in. Mm-hmm. You know, something about the conscious working, um, the, the hypnotherapy side, and the operating system. Mm-hmm. So, can we break that down yes. before we um, move on? Yes. Um, the first thing that I wanted to say generally about all of those three areas is the power of making space and having an, a thinking partner to think about yourself, your circumstances, your behaviors, your habits, your nature, right? What kind of, you know, we talked a little bit about characteristics. I think that is an important backdrop. And um, I'm going, before I answer your question, I want to, I want to, um, highlight how I got to that place, right? So when I was when I was in my corporate journey, it was always very fast, very fast paced. It almost felt like um, being on that fast train, right? And you just mm. you execute, you function, you one thing to the next. It's always fast, fast, fast. So we hardly ever stop and reflect and think and saying, "Is what is happening right now the right thing for me?" Is what is happening helping me, hindering me? Do I want to be where I am? And that's one of the things that I love so much about what I do because now we're going to go into the different levels, right? So you have the the coaching when it comes, the leadership coaching when it comes to your conscious mind. How do I see myself and how do I think and how do I behave? Taking a moment and having somebody you can discuss that through, putting thoughts into words and being challenged and questioned how you think. And um, that way, taking that moment and actually stepping off that moving train and thinking and reflecting and saying, what do I want to do more of? What do I want to do less of? What can I try differently? What can I experiment with? So that is that, that sure. conscious level of coaching, right? Excellent. Now, Excellent. Yes, and that middle level, that's, my hypnotherapy level, right? It is all about the subconscious, right? So the there is huge amounts of power in our subconscious because our subconscious keeps us safe, does things automatically without us realizing, right? There is a there is a good way that somebody said once that the brain is the conscious brain is a serial processor, one thing after the other. That whole thing about multitasking just doesn't work because we process things seriously, consciously. The subconscious, however, is a parallel processor. The subconscious takes in so much information without us realizing, without us noticing, and stores, categorizes, deletes, uh, surfaces, accentuates, whatever it needs to do to keep us going. Right. And very often our subconscious makes us do things um, automatically. So there is this wonderful word play in English. It's respond and react. So the subconscious makes us react. The conscious makes us more respond because we're we're uh, more intentional about it. So when you think of hypnotherapy and um, some of the uh, some of the techniques around that, you can. Um, bring in the subconscious in any change work that you might want to do. And that is really powerful because you have mm-hmm. the conscious and the subconscious work together. Right? Sure. And then sure. you have the baseline, sure. which is the uh, the operating system. And that's where a lot of the neuroscience comes in and, and uh, the place of, you know, natural strength that we're born with. So there's a wonderful framework called positive intelligence, and this is a brainchild of a wonderful man called Shirazat Shamim. He is a Stanford professor, and uh, you can also call it mental fitness. He's really um, devised this. He's written a book. He's, uh, he's trained thousands of coaches on this. So he works through coaches, right? But it, the mm-hmm. whole philosophy behind it is to look at your behavior as an operating system. Right. And it all comes from a place of natural strength. We all are born with our natural strength. Whoever has children, when the baby turns up, you know, you look at them and they're all different. 
They come with their natural strength, right? It reminds me of yeah. my my older son. I had a name figured out for him. He was born. It was like, well, that name doesn't fit. So yeah. he, he was there as his own individual self with his essence, right? Now, as we mm. grow up, that essence is what is most natural to us, right? So uh, when we are then faced with challenges, very often we gravitate to those strengths and overuse them, right? And then they mm. can become, uh, they can work against us. We call that self-sabotaging behavior, right? Rather than helpful behavior, it becomes self-sabotaging. And the way to identify is when the, the helpful behavior has a positive emotion associated, the self-sabotaging behavior has a negative emotion associated with it. Imagine a person who is very driven, very mm. target-driven, and uh, goal-focused, a doer, and so on and so forth, right? So that's a wonderful strength to have. However, when they overdo it, they might start to micromanage others. They might say, no, 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 I need to get involved in all of this. Or I can only see my own personal value in my achievement, but not in what I actually bring day by day. So that's that's when behavior can or the, these strengths can become, become sabotaging. But because yeah. it comes from a place of natural strength, it's so second nature to us that very often we don't realize that's what we're doing. So mental fitness teaches you, first of all, to recognize, to recognize that. And there is 10 different categories. We call them the saboteurs. And saboteurs. the saboteurs, exactly. They read their head. Okay, guys, everybody ready? Today. We get mic'd up for, for that. Mic drop. There was so much there that needs to be unpacked. And where do I begin? You start talking about um, mental fitness. It's, these are these are terms that are, are not in the the usual spoken vernacular. Mental fitness. You, t you normally attribute fitness to physicality. Absolutely. But there's a mental fitness to side of things. I will, will get you to go into those 10 different um, dimensions, should I say, or, or levels should I say, but I want to unpack things slightly so that I understand, so I can frame it because I'm learning at the same time. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking what, what, what key things would the listeners really gravitate to? Um, for those who've never been challenged, I'm a mental health practitioner myself. So challenging my thoughts before I was trained was something foreign to me. Mm -hmm. I was not trained uh, on the, the whole concept of having a partner to to share the way I think, how I process information, I found extremely frightening. Mm -hmm. For I, I found so. Could you break down the art of challenging mm -hmm. that whole concept of having a partner to to bounce off ideas and challenge? You know, how what's the art of challenging in the first place? Yeah, I think the most there is two groundbreaking foundations. Um, and one is to find somebody that you truly, truly have a rapport with. You cannot do that with everybody, but you have to feel that connection. You have to feel like you can trust that person. And there is, there is an agreement that you do up front and you say, you know, what we discuss is a hundred percent confidential. So whatever is in this, either physical or virtual room stays in that. And there needs to be that the confidence that that is uh, truly true, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then the second one is, um, and that's really hard sometimes, and that is to approach the conversation in a non the most non judgmental way that you can. Right. And that is sometimes uh, when you when you do these kinds of conversations with people that are very close to you, it is quite hard because you have an opinion. You know that person. You have an agenda. Right. But when you when you work with somebody like um, a coach that you feel like you can connect with, that coach can um, take judgment away because it is all about you and not about them. And it's about what you bring to the table. And then it's about truly listening. And very mm -hmm. often we think we listen, but we don't. What we do, what we do is we, we, 
we hear what somebody said and then we start formulating, start making sense, start thinking, okay, what can I ask next? But it's about truly sitting, well, what the person actually says and uh, listening also requires not just the words, but how does somebody say something? What's that facial expression? What's that, you know, that that global listening? What's the feeling in the room? Even in a virtual room, you can get a feeling of what somebody says, mm. and when you truly absolutely. Listen. And when somebody, no, that, that's a, yeah, sorry, And when somebody feels listened to, they feel heard, and they're more likely to open up. And then, and then the art is about um, asking open questions, getting the person who brings a certain viewpoint to the table to maybe look at it from a different angle. Take a tree. When you look at it, look a tree from the front, it has a certain shape. You go around it. You look at it from the side. It looks different. You look at it from behind. It looks different. From the other side, yet different, right? So those perspective shifts are very powerful because it suddenly makes you realize, ah, I have never considered it that way. And that way you know why no why and that's the, that's the first, that's such an interesting analogy and you get another mic drop for that okay, one guys, because yeah i look at trees and just funny enough I, different perspectives i like that a lot i like that a lot so as, as we're still talking about um this partnership between the coach and the, the individual being coached um one thing i can recall was when I was being coached was a fear that either I was going to upset the coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when I, when I flipped it on the other side, when I was coaching an individual around depression, anxiety was, I didn't want them to say anything that I felt I was going to be out of my depth. For example, if somebody got serious um, suicidal ideation for whatever, just to take the worst case scenario, and you're and you're supporting that individual. I found it really hard to to let them be truly expressive. I was like, as long as you, if you're introducing words or terminologies that upsets my own value system about life in itself, I will struggle. So. How do you go about reconciling all of these things in the moment whilst you're in conversation, playing both 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 sides of the coin? Should I say? Yeah. Um, as a somebody being coached and coming to the table, um, I I think it first of all comes down to rapport building. You know, how how much trust can you establish between each other? And then the second one, I think, is all about the upfront. Uh, we call it contracting, right? It's not about a written contract, but it's about what are we agreeing? What do we want the space to be, right? And to as a coach, to really encourage the other person to say, whatever you say, is fine because you are at the center of what my concern is. It's about you. It's not about me. It's not about what I think. It's about what you think. It's setting that um, atmosphere that takes out that fear of what might the other person think because you give them the permission, so to speak, to be entirely themselves, right? That's beautiful. Yeah. That's very beautiful. The permission. Mm-hmm. And a lot, a lot of us take for granted that we do feel we require permission to be our true selves. Mm-hmm. Like when we tend to greet each other, it's always something very pleasant. How are you doing? And you want to say something pleasant back. You you feel you need permission before you say, no, I feel like crap. I feel like, you know, and you don't get the permission. You, you, you know, courtesy trumps everything, isn't it? I'm fine. Mm-hmm. You know, so do you find in language as well, um, just weave that in that different cultures have a different way of, of expressing words or like even the pauses um, like I know the western world we tend to talk a lot we don't give time we don't really embrace silence in conversations so people tend to feel like they have to fill in fill in the gaps where somebody's pausing yeah. it's uncomfortable 
um, and other coaches maybe embrace it a lot more and their words are formulated on the basis of how long they can pause to give something emphasis. So yeah, how do you see that playing out within um, the coaching conversations and what interesting <laughs> tells do you have? Um, it's actually fascinating uh, because there is there is a big element of where somebody comes from and how somebody expresses themselves and how they present themselves. Um, I have a lovely example of uh, a Spanish friend of mine. Um, whenever she has conversations with with me or with other people, it almost feels like it's an argument, but it's not. It's the passion. It's you. You show your interest by interrupting each other, by jumping in, by being loud, by by being you know expressive. That's such a unique way. I'm not saying all Spanish people are like that, but I know a few that are like that. Right. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Um, when you speak to somebody more from the, the Nordics, um, there is a lot more, um, um, almost a little bit more distance observed. And um, yes, I have to first sort of hear you and then digest what you said. And then I have to be, I, I'm reflecting about how do I respond a lot more, a lot more slowly, a lot more contained, a lot more, um, it almost feels like thoughtful. It's not right. The other thing is thoughtful, mm. thoughtful too, but it's just a different style. Right. Sure, uh, so sure. there is an interesting, interesting observations that I've got. And, um, there are, other, there are also, I think there are the other cultural thing is about, um in some cultures it is a lot more important to preserve a certain surface a certain um um aspect a certain way of being perceived where others are probably a little bit more you mm. know i'm just showing up as yeah. myself yeah sure because you speak a lot about authenticity yeah. and um when you have coaches that are maybe suppressing authenticity because you have a communal or common um, persona. You're, you're a country first, individual second or third. You know, um, how do you get somebody to, to start thinking about who they truly are? What do they actually like? And, you know, how do you support them on that journey? Mm. So um, the first one of the first things I always love doing is getting people in touch with their personal values, what's truly important to them as a person. Mm. So that inner core, that those guiding principles that drive our behavior, truly drive our behavior. And what I find fascinating, while it sounds simple, but to really get people to get in touch with that is actually quite hard because it's so second nature to us that we don't realize. And uh, we find it very hard to, to give it a name, right? It's mm. almost like it's a feeling. It's that underlying, am I in balance or not? But naming it is actually quite hard. But that is a good starting point for everybody to say, you know, what is driving my uh, in intuitive behavior? Right? Sure, sure. As so when you see, so when you see somebody say value system, or could it be it could be belief system as well? I guess there might be. Um, if you believe that the value system in, is um going against, working against them progressing in the corporate world, how much of as a coach, how how do you steer without um taking over and being directive? How do you get them to feel that they have come up with the solution? You know, does it frustrate you when you see that this is your value to switch? How do you approach that? Right. Um, first of all, I think it's an interesting observation there um, because we all try and make sense of situations. We all have us in mm. our minds, have a solution for some, but something, but it mm. might not be the right solution for the person who we're actually talking to. Right. So for them, reality might look very different. We can't look into their own, into their heads. They know themselves best, although it's very hard sometimes to pinpoint. Now, when 
somebody is an environment in an environment where they are not aligned with their values um the first thing i'd like them to do is to recognize that by first of all saying mm. um these are my values and now think about what is happening right now which ones of those values might be compromised here and what does that do to you what results does that have how does it make you feel and what would you like it to be instead first right it's it's mm. it's not what is right for me it's what is right for them um sure. a general observation i have is when somebody is in an environment where their values are compromised they're in the wrong environment it's not about changing mm. them it's about being true to yourself and looking at what can you change either influence the environment or possibly look for a different one i always yeah. think there are three choices we have either we don't do anything but then where does it take us down the line but it's a conscious choice if we want to do that that's our conscious choice or you look at what can i do how do how do i change myself to influence where i'm at or do i need to okay guys everybody ready and then like that on that note you get another mic drop <laughs> most definitely yeah you, you always have a choice Ushi, right you always have a choice um so much trauma um pertaining to mental health comes from people being in environments that are not conducive to their own values principles and beliefs i see all the time particularly with young people mm-hmm. being who are sometimes um, forced to go into professions that they don't truly want to do or are denied that the, the ability to truly express who they are, you know, it causes so much heartache, you know, it's, it's, it's not medicinal cure for that at all. Um, I'm very conscious of covering. There's so much stuff that we can unpack, but we also talked about um, neuroscience, yes. right? Um, I wrote down something here very quickly. Um, it's a challenge really. Um, is it, the self or yourselves that play a bigger part in how you think, act, respond? You know, is it the self or yourselves? Uh, I think they're intrinsically connected, right? Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we are building neural pathways through repetitive behavior, right? So our brain is a master in energy saving, right? So when there is a trigger coming our way, when something happens, a situation arises, and the brain says, oh, I recognize that. It runs off into its library and says, oh, I've seen this before. Let's take a behavior out and throw it out there, right? That is a neural pathway because this is something that we've known. It's a trigger. It's a response. Uh, Let's do it. We can save energy with that. Mm. Right. Now, Mm. this is how we build over time those neural pathways by having behavioral patterns, right? They're becoming habits. Now, they might serve us very well, but there might come a point where some of those habits might not serve us anymore. Right. Mm. And what we can then do is we can then take a step back and say, and that's where it's sometimes very hard to do it by yourself, uh, to recognize what is that behavior? How does it not help me? How can I recognize it? How do I want to respond instead? And that's leading out. That's not easy. But if we make, if you have an intention and if we are having a plan to, how else to react we can then practice that right it's that that intentional response and when we do the intentional response repetitively it builds a new neural pathway here you go the cells then align again to our intentional behavior so i think that's how they're intrinsically Mm. linked with each other yeah the the interplay interplay because some people tend to feel like i can't progress forward it's just the way i am made up it's the way i think it's the way i am i but you're, you're, you're challenging that yes. by, by first recognizing there is a connection between the two, but you can 
uh, I think differently to to formulate new neural pathways that will change your outcome, right? Yeah. Yeah. So as all of this, uh, in terms of the process, if we were to, you talked about the serial and the parallel way, the different, um, so the subconscious and the, and the, what's it called? The operating system work, right? Um, how long would it take? There's some people say it takes 28 days to formulate new habits, new pathways. Do you, do you subscribe to that? Or do you think it takes a longer period of time? <laughs> I think you can make a you can make a shift within six to seven weeks. So in the mental fitness framework, we say um, to kind of consciously work on on uh, on changing some of those behaviours. Six to seven weeks gets you started uh, to make a change, but then it becomes mm. a lifelong process to maintain and to continue. It's a journey. It's a choice again that we make to to go on a journey. Right. So yeah. six, seven weeks yeah. from uh, from from that concept is a is a good start to really have those neural connections made. And there's no this is this is something that I haven't done the research. I am taking mm. that, and uh, thank you to Positive Intelligence for, for for providing loads of research on that. I but that's their experience. Um, but it is a lifelong journey struggle to achieve your goals or to find your purpose in life why waste your time dreaming when you could be fulfilling your biggest boldest brightest goals tune in to the mic drop club and listen to guest speakers and people of influence as they reveal their secret techniques to help you to get to your dreams and goals and turn them into reality do you struggle to prioritize your tasks to achieve your goals Surely there's a better way. We don't have to land in space to be great. Frankly, we don't need to. But given the opportunity, wouldn't you like to do something spectacular and make an impact? Tune in to the Mike Drop Club, where the secrets behind achieving extraordinary results are shared weekly with your host, Douglas Hamandache. We'll be with you every step of the way, giving you all the motivation to not just live life, but to make life boom. ask you a question in terms of the success metrics mm. uh, when you're coaching somebody um and obviously these are maybe high high powered individuals you know very aspirational individuals um they might say a successful outcome for me is to be made ceo um what does success look like for you when you're coaching them um when when we go into an agreement of coaching i always start with the question imagine however long the let's say a six month engagement imagine yourself at the end of our engagement where would you want to be what how would mm. you say uh success would look like this is my starting point because it's not about my success, it's about their success. So this is, I always try and engage that from them and keep that in the back of our minds. And even in each session, I always ask, so we have an hour, 45 minutes, whatever time we have, you know, where we, where do we want to land today? And that's, that's how I sort of measure um, based on their feedback. Sure, yeah. sure. And and what does that give you personally when you see them progressing? How does, how does it make you feel as, you know, when you're, when you see somebody put into practice or going through a change and transformation as the observer and the contributor to that? How do you feel inside? Oh, gosh, I have, uh, I have um, fireworks go off, honestly. I probably <laughs> do. So one of my personal values is service. Um, the service mm. is belonging and is trust. Those are my three key personal values. And, you know, when I can provide a service and I see it is gratefully received and there is that trust and there is that, that, uh, partnership, it, mm. it, you know, self-actualization comes to mind. Right. Sure, That's my, sure. I can you know, see that. I sometimes walk out and I say to my children, I can't believe I get paid for this. <laughs> 
it's fabulous. And no, as you're talking through your own values, um, your eyes are light, light, lighting up, and I can see it means so much to you. Mm. Um, I wonder before we kind of wrap up, we need to go through the ten. I'm very aware that we need to go through the ten. Yes. So can we go for the 10, was it 10 steps? What were they? 10 what were they? sabotage, the sabotaging. 10 sabotage, right. So I've got visual, I'm a visual person, yeah. if that even exists, but I like to draw pictures, mental pictures. Yes. So there's self, 10 baddies 10 bad. that are coming in mm-hmm. to mess things up. What are they? Yeah. So the ultimate culprit is our internal judge. Right. We all know mm. we have a self-critic, but it just doesn't oh, stop God. there. We don't just criticize ourselves. Uh, we're judgmental about others and we're also judgmental about situations. It's the first one, right? So we judge mm-hmm. situations as well. So recognizing when we're judgmental, that's the first one. That's the first culprit. And that is a universal one. Shows up in different ways, shapes and forms. Some of our, ju- our internal judges might be very loud. Some might be aggressive. Some might be arrogant. Some might be subdued, but sneaky. You know, different ways, shapes and forms. It's about recognizing mm-hmm. your style. Then the judge pulls in from another set of nine saboteurs. Usually we have two or three dominant ones. But ultimately speaking, each one of them plays a role in all of our lives, but there are more, some more dominant than others. And that goes back to the strengths that we bring to, to the world with, right, and that we, uh, we foster all the time. First one is um, avoider, right? So an avoider is about sticking to harmony, is about not rocking the boat too much, but and then avoiding the extreme negative but also the extreme positive because you you kind of have to you have to contain yourself within right so the avoider mm-hmm. the next one is the controller controller is all about my way or the highway right they yeah. are yeah. very they very often that's a very strong leadership component the strengths behind it is about determination about action orientation goal focus rallying troops but when the controller goes overboard it's almost like an anxiety-based sense of controlling having to control no 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 i've got to get involved no it's not going my way now and that way you you're actually damaging your relationships right as a controller then we go to the hyper achiever the hyper achiever sees their value in what they achieve. So again, they're very, very goal orientated and uh, and can and, and and are very dedicated and making things happen. But uh, there is all only value in actually um, reaching the goal. So the journey is yeah. forgotten. It's almost like a bit, you know, the imposter can rear its head there, right? We, oh my God, I'm writing. I'm, I'm here myself. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Keep going. So, okay. That's a hyperachiever. Then we go to the hyperrational. The hyperrational okay. is about facts, it's about figures, it's about data. You know, no, no, science has got mm. to prove it. So the emotions of ni fu ni fa, that's not, that not important. It's about facts, mm. right? That's the, mm. the drive. Very, very analytical. Great strengths mm. to have, but when the emotions are getting and that interrelationship gets completely sidelined, that dam- again damages relationships, right? So that's a hyper mm. hyper rational. Then you have the hyper vigilant. A hyper vigilant, mm. what they bring is an awareness of dangers and risks in the world. But gosh, if a hyper vigilant takes hold. You know, you see danger around every corner. Oh, my God, right? Your anxiety-based drama around <gasps> everything that can go wrong, right? So that's the hyper, hyper-vigilant. Yeah. I, know, I know people like that. Yes. Yep, definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then uh, let's move on to the pleaser. The pleaser mm. is somebody who uh, bends over backwards to to respond well to the other person that the other person says yeah 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 i like you i i i agree with what you said it's like completely ignoring own boundaries it's all about giving mm-hmm. giving giving so much yeah. so that you're becoming resentful almost right and are these characters typically exploited as well yes or at risk of being yes. exploited because they're, they're so 
into um, pleasing yeah. others. Yes. And very, you know, these pleasers tend to have are very empathetic people, very emotionally intelligent. So that that um, connection with other people is very strong there. But you're absolutely right. There is that danger of just going overboard with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then so the next one is the restless. The restless is. Um, <laughs> I always think of the, the 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 bee going from flower to flower, right? So there is the next flower is always a little bit more interesting. The next flower is always a bit more interesting. So you you try something new. You have the incredible curiosity and desire to to do different things. Yet when it becomes that little bit too monotone, you move on to the next thing. So you don't stick with something. Again, you can you can uh, you can sell yourself short massively, right? When you're when you're mm moving on too quickly and then we have the probably the one that is most well known and i'm just double checking that i haven't forgotten one in the heat of the moment sure enough sure enough i'm just stunned i'm just completely like oh my god what happens if you get hit with all all nine at the same time <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. So there's two more. There's one is the stickler. Let's go very quickly. The stickler is about yeah. perfectionism. It's about mm-hmm. all T's crossed, all I's dotted, always. We've got to give 120%, not just 100, right? Mm-hmm. But you get so lost in the detail that very often you forget the big picture. They're very, very mm-hmm. protagonist and very, uh, you know, reliable people and they like structure and process, mm-hmm. but it can just get lost in the detail. And then the last one that is the most well-known is is the victim, right? The victim mm. is, uh, you know, they're very emotionally sensitive, very well-tuned into the other person, but there is that tendency to say, oh, poor me. It's always me that it happens to. Why? It's almost like a martyr streak to it. It's like the world sure. is against me. Right. Um, so the, mm. that's probably the most well-known. And, the, and what I've noticed actually is when, People do have those strengths that are great strengths, but then you say there is a victim trait. People get very um, um, negatively impacted. They find it's it's really really bad to have the victim. Mm. Right? They feel yeah. that uh, they feel like it's almost like an insult. Right? So mm. all of them wow. are horrible, but all of them are coming from a place of incredible strength. So that's what we want people to connect with. What's that strength? How can you bring empathy to yourself? How can you bring more curiosity? How can you um, be more in tune with who you are? And how can you be um, more interested in what are the different options and then taking action in that strength-based way? That's where where you want to move. Excellent. You are so much more. MikeDropClub.com Make life boom. Ushi, you you've you've certainly blown my mind. You've um you've lifted the hood of what I thought I understood about this whole world of coaching, but your your unique way of presenting um your technique, I, I would say. Um, it's fascinating. Um, I'm sure the listeners will, will rewind and play back those those ten um, pro- protagonists, should I say, um, that come in to challenge our, our perception of our, our perceived strengths that we are born with. We're all born with this innate strength. Um, so, in a sense, we're rethinking. Yes. And that's a plug for you, Ushi, to come in and talk more about rethink and your value proposition in the coaching space yes so rethink it is very much based on my own journey right stopping and rethinking and saying what is actually right for me right and uh so what i am a big believer in is with my coaching i believe there is potential within each one of us right that is my true why we are all unique individuals, but sometimes we are blocked through one way or the other. It could be some of the saboteurs. It could be what ex- what we've experienced. It could be um, the environment we're in. But it's about rediscovering your authentic self. And then, you know, when we when I help people to take a step 
towards being more their authentic self, to break down um, what holds them back, it makes them that little bit happier and it makes them that little bit more fulfilled and that makes also their environment that little bit better, radiates out and ultimately makes the world a better place. So for me, leadership coaching is about helping somebody to, to really embrace their potential and to help them on that journey to to find more fulfillment, more happiness, more um, getting up in the morning and saying, I'm looking forward to today. That's what so, I love. So and, and, brilliant. And we needed a lot more of that in this world. So how can people get hold of you? Ushi, how can they um, reach out to you, find out more information, connect with your services? Yes. So I have a website called rethinkcc.co.uk rethink coaching and consulting i uh, you can find me on linkedin just with my name ushi bauman and i am also on instagram uh which is ushi.rethinkcoaching um i'm also on facebook and uh i would i'm most active on linkedin so that's probably the best way to get hold of me and just dm me if you're interested to find out a little bit more, you know, look at, I'm posting twice a week generally with children. I can't do more than that, but I do try and post twice a week. So read up what I have to say. If that resonates with you, come talk to me and be very happy to just have an initial conversation. And remember what I said in the beginning, it's so important to have that connection. So that it could well be that you say, you know, I can't work with her or I can't work with you. But that's fine. Then go find yourself somebody that you can work with. But it's that initial contact that's very important to say, you know, what what is it what we're trying to do? Can we work with each other? And then what can success look like? And then you can talk about, all right, so what could an agreement and a construct look like? And then I, I pull from the different tools that I've got to make it right for the individual. I haven't got like sure, a, a sure. necessarily a standing program, but you know what is right for the individual. Everybody has their own needs. Yeah. No, and, and that's that's the great stuff, and certainly, certainly something I picked up from this conversation that you have this individualistic view on how you deliver um, support and, and coaching to individuals. Um, I, one more time, on behalf of Mike Drop Club, I'll say, Ushi Barman, you've been excellent. You've, 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 like I said, you've, you've blown the covers, you know, you've cleaned the cobwebs out. I'm seeing life from a different set of optics now as well. And that's the, that's the good thing. It's infectious, you know, um, because you're coming from a, a place of authenticity, authenticity to, to provide value to make other people um, reconnect with themselves. Mm -hmm. And this whole collaborative partnership approach, framing it in that way and delivering that way, uh, I, I certainly salute you. So thank you very much, Ushi. Thank you very much. Uh, it was, I could talk for hours more. I, there were so many other things that I could have brought in and I loved the conversation. The time flew by in a flash, honestly. I really enjoyed oh, it. You wow. made me feel so comfortable wow. and so welcome here. I really, truly enjoyed this. No, no, I uh, know. Uh, good, fantastic stuff. And, you know, possibly part two. I'm thinking Thank you for listening. part two. There's so much stuff to break Don't down. Don't forget to check out micdropclub.com and get the show notes and useful links. Subscribe to the podcast. Don't just live life. Make life boom. Boom.